Angela. I'm Naomi, and welcome to Queerly Yours. We are two queer, polyamorous folks who have often been asked for relationship advice by friends, so we decided to put our insights on the internet. This is a podcast about how we have built our relationship over time, and how you can build yours too. And today, we're going to talk about pride, because it's Pride Month. That's a lot briefer than my intros usually. I'm sure I'll find other ways to ramble about that, but in this case, the reasoning is pretty straightforward. Pride Month, therefore, pride is the theme. Relatively simple to just get into talking about as there are quite a lot of dimensions for us personally and just in the overall like mess that is discourse on the internet and in social groups about talking about pride. But we're going to try and do our best to keep the conversation relatively focused on, I guess, what would be the best way for you that you put it on, like the logistical end if you choose to become involved with pride in some way? Yeah, essentially, I feel like something that we can provide from out of the foundation of our experience in a useful way is ways to think about if you do participate in pride, what are ways to do that that will help be comfy and safe and fun in good ways? What are tools for checking in with yourself to figure out what kind of events you want to be at and how to create a strategy for attending them that's going to help them be genuinely fun? And also acknowledging that pride is not one singular kind of thing or event. We're going to talk about it a lot in terms of kinds of events and ways to connect with other people, but that's not the only way to do it, and that's something we're going to talk about too. Right, and to be clear, we are we as a couple, I think both of us individually and also we as a couple, do not judge anyone who does not want to take part in Pride. Pride in its current manifestation, with all the different ways it could go, but in a lot of the ways it's normatively understood, It tends to leave out a lot of different communities. It tends to be very white. It tends to be very cis. It tends to be very classist and very corporatized. And because of that, I perfectly understand, and I think we as a couple understand, why a lot of folks might feel a bit alienated by it and feel like they just never really want to engage with it. That's understandable, and we do not see you as any less queer or bi or lesbian or anywhere that you fall within the community. For not wanting to be involved with pride. Pride does not represent everyone. And the other element to that is that in the public and cultural consciousness, a lot of the images of pride that really dominate are things about large-scale festivals and parades, often associated with crowds, with noise, with huge floats, with like extremely like bright and colorful fashion, and also in a lot of cases associated with things like a lot of drinking and drug use as one theme among other stuff. And it's not that those things don't exist or aren't part of Pride events, but we also want to talk about and remind folks that those are not the only factors in Pride events, not the only kind of Pride event, and that attending a Pride event does not mean that you have to check every box on the common semi-stereotypical cultural understanding of Pride imagery that is what so many of us run on and that characterizes especially a lot of really large-scale parades and public events. There's a lot that involves just just from the aspect of like there's a high density of people and at any given time at a pride event that in and of itself would not purposely but kind of by by nature of just it being the way that it is leave out a lot of folks because some folks just do not by sensory processing do well with crowds. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of people. And it's a lot of emotions that particularly if you're someone who processes a lot of other people's emotions without really trying to and takes them in, it's a lot to handle. And that doesn't even get into a lot more of the elements of a lot of pride parades not particularly being made accessible to a lot of folks with 
physical disabilities or just disabilities in general. Yeah, and I've seen events that try to work on that on some fronts, but it can vary so much from event to event. And especially when you're just dealing with huge crowds, there are so many factors related to that that it's hard to predict or plan around, even if you're trying to figure out things that you know about the venue. Kind of in connection to that, I'm going to offer just a sort of little set of vignettes of things I've experienced at Pride-related events, both on the positive and negative. I'm going to start with the negative so that I get to end nicely. Frustrating things that have happened to me at Pride or logistical things that I have had to do at Pride. Trying to sit out in an outdoor lawn space with a friend and having to move every couple of minutes because so many people were smoking and my friend was trying not to have an asthma attack. Marching in a trans march and having to remember to, like, knee wrap one of my knees because I was recovering from a sprain and wasn't sure how much I would be able to walk. But trying to, like, grip my teeth through it a little bit because I still wanted to get to be involved in the event. Being stuck in downtown San Francisco late at night because the buses were so overloaded with people on the way back to my home county, and they were running super, super late because of the crowds, and having to uh, purchase a really overpriced lemon and cayenne pepper health juice shot from a juice booth who only had one person on staff there because I was so desperate to find a place where I could use a bathroom. And so I bought something from a very kind lady who then let me use the employee bathroom. <laughs> in exchange, even though they didn't technically have public bathroom access, but there was no public bathroom I could find, and I'd been waiting for a bus for over an hour, and it was dark and kind of scary and weirdly quiet in a certain front. I've gotten weird sunburns at Pride. I've uh, risked dehydration at Pride. I've had to do long, awkward, stressful transit routes at Pride. There's just, there's a lot of factors that can happen in spaces. And there's lots of really cool and exciting stuff, too. But just when you're talking about things like the big outdoor events and festivals, there are so many things that can just make it tough. And I'm saying this as someone who doesn't have any health conditions that are likely to be exacerbated or activated by being outside in large crowds and who is on the whole like ambulatory and not dealing with any kind of physical disabilities that prevent me from attending those kind of events or complicate it when I'm not dealing with, like, a recent or current short-term injury. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's the really cool stuff at Pride. There's fun conversations with strangers on public transit, because we're all wearing a bunch of our queer gear and going to the same place and finding the right bus stops by following the rainbows, literally, which I always find really adorable. Uh, sharing food and stories with people. Running into friends I don't expect to see at events, but being really excited to see them coordinating with big groups of friends to go to some events together and then split up to do our own things and then coming back together to all crash at each other's houses for the night to make things affordable and just getting to volunteer at things, getting to help make events happen, getting to hear music, finding out about cool new community organizations and things that I wouldn't otherwise have heard about because they have booths or floats or are trying to recruit volunteers or share their local scale work that they do. There are lots of really cool things about Pride too. But it's a multidimensional thing, and I feel like the fact that it is so culturally laden as a thing that you do to show that you are out and proud, I feel like that can make it messy for folks in ways that it doesn't need to be. Like, I don't think you have to go to pride to show your sense of self or your comfort in your identity any more than you need to, I'm not even sure what a good parallel is. I was about to say, like, any more than you need to, you know, attend a sports game to show that you are a fan of a specific team. But I don't think that's necessarily the world's best parallel. But I think I would say that, too, honestly. You don't have to publicly go to large-scale events full of people 
in order to be proud of who you are or in order to celebrate it in your own way or to express what it means to you in the ways that matter to you. And sort of building off of that, I can speak to one incident I remember from the one time in recent memory that I have been to a Pride event that I think summed up a lot of my grievances and frustrations with it, sort of what's come to be Pride space, thinking of it as a brown person and also as a trans woman. I recall getting to sit with like an older crowd of like lesbians. I know this because they had like giant signs of like dykes are here and will not be forgotten. And I recall one instance in which there was like a few of them, a lot of them very white or at least white passing, who uh, took it upon themselves to kind of shout down when there was a brown man who was, who looked very visibly intoxicated, but who also seemed to be kind of harassing some of the folks. And uh, far be it for me to be the one to say, don't do that, because that's terrible, like that he was being in any way belligerent towards the group. But there was just an element of like knee-jerk discomfort that I had with that whole interaction because there was the sense that it's like part of what it meant for like the lesbian crowd to be defining their space even though there were some lesbians of color there was to staunchly kick out this brown man who like I don't know if he was queer in any capacity I don't know if this if like he was straight and overcrowding a space that he thought he could just party in but that lack of really knowing in that instance who I should be supporting or even if I should take a side, or if that's a thing I should do, or whether or not, like, I felt uncomfortable just being part of the group saying, like, hey, yeah, please stop being kind of gross about the lesbians in the group. I felt like that epitomized a lot of my current frustrations with what I associate with pride, and that it's very white. It still has the old vanguard in some ways, but sometimes that's it's not always in the most supportive ways. There's a sense of almost like it's, it's the section of the, like, older like lesbian crowd that still holds on to that unfortunately falls under like the turfy kind of spectrum and there's just elements of like part of what lets us be what we want to be is like very much defined by whiteness and i i say all that with a qualifier that uh, i do slowly over time i think have taken on a lot more of some of my very openly politically lesbian friends who are like turfs in a way or are in some are in some ways like very bad lesbians like they have a very terrible view of what it means to be a lesbian and such and i kind of sort of agree with that position as well there's a lot more complexity to it that i prefer not to get into but yes this is not an episode about turfs that would no, be a whole it's... other large, very exhausting thing. Also, for reference, I know we don't always pause for 101 things on our episodes, but TERF, we're talking about the acronym TERF, which stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. I would hesitate to call many of them feminists. Many of them actively ally themselves with, with extremely conservative causes on other fronts, but we are talking about people who call themselves feminists who often also call themselves lesbians who don't really believe in trans personhood, especially as it relates to trans women, and often very much put trans women in dangerous situations, dox them, harass them, and treat them and approach them as perverse and predatory men. Exactly. And, and, and even I've heard some folks point out that like there's other threads where folks have said that like even the exclusionary part is too soft and has ignored that yeah. in some cases it's like trans exterminatory radical mm -hmm. feminists. And I would agree. I would subscribe to that viewpoint that I think their existence 
within lesbian spaces are a detriment to the richer history of non-binary and trans lesbians that have existed since before even pride was a thing and i think in general they exist only as a as a source of harm for a lot of trans women all of that to say to get back to the other point i was saying Thank you, Hun, for chiming in on the 101. Welcome. I realized helpful. as you were saying it that that's not a term that everyone knows, and especially in podcast form, people might not realize it's an acronym. Right, that's true. But all of that is to say that, like, that sort of incident, it just felt like there was too much of what I feared about being involved with Pride, which is to say, I feel too brown, too trans, and sometimes in some spaces even too bi, because there's still, that's an element that I don't think we talk about very much, but in relation to like queer spaces and like LGBTQ plus sort of spaces, but we still get kind of weird comments at times for like bisexuality, like if folks thought that the, that, that sort of thing had died out in a lot of queer communities, um, I'm around Twitter and other spaces enough to tell you that is not the case. I literally just saw the other day folks arguing bisexuality should be a thing, but pansexuality is the same thing as bisexuality, therefore it shouldn't exist. Like I have literally just seen those things earlier today, so that's not gone either. Oh my god. As someone who refers to myself as, and has referred to myself at various points in time as, bi, pan, queer, and gay, I'm glad we have terms. I'm not in favor of eradicating terms, generally speaking. If a word isn't structurally and culturally useful, it will fade in its own way. But I'm happy we have lots of language for this, and it's cool if terms overlap. That's called synonyms sometimes, but... Also, they're not always perfect synonyms. They have their own dimensions. And even if they were synonyms, guess what? It would still be fine. That's why we have th thesauri. They're a useful part of language synonyms. So, god, that makes me so fucking tired sometimes. Yeah, but Ange is right. We should maybe do a bisexuality episode sometime now that I think about it. If folks would like a bisexuality episode, please tell us so. We'll probably do one anyway, regardless. But if you have questions or comments or things you'd like us to discuss on that, it's occurring to me we'd probably have a lot to talk about. I mean, we both have our grievances around it, given that we both have very interesting histories related to identifying with various terms associated with it. Yeah, we can do a terminology journey sometimes. We're wandering in a lot of directions, but part of why that is is that pride is big. And I don't just mean, oh god, big crowds. I mean... It's a big multidimensional concept and experience because we're talking about events, generally of a celebratory nature, often in the month of June. We're also talking about a cultural history very connected to, though not exclusive to, the U.S., but largely tied to, in the case of this year, like the 50-year anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which are not the starting point of LGBTQ activism in the U.S. or anywhere, but are a notable fulcrum around which our sense of community mobilization and our vision of LGBTQ history in the U.S. has been formed. And we're also talking about an emotional experience of feeling proud, of standing up for oneself, of openly celebrating oneself in the communities that one is a part of. And Different manifestations of pride approach and address those things in different ways, and so you end up with pride events that are very much just about bringing people together in a space to celebrate publicly and to be seen. You see events that are about enmeshing our sense of ourselves as queer people in connection with other experiences that we have and communing and collaborating around that. You see protests, you see art and creative projects and forms of expression. There are lots of different things that folks do for pride. So, as we noted, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach and describe that conversation. I addressed this a little bit in my kind of ramble about experiences I've had. One relatively short, but 
that I think important thing that I want to put in this episode is what I pack when I am going to Pride events that fall more in the March and Festival kind of category, because they overlap a lot with the kinds of things that you would bring to any kind of festival or outdoor event in general. But I feel like, at least for me, I have gone to that scale of thing for Pride purposes to a degree that I haven't for other topics. And so I had to learn to prepare in ways that I had not learned to really prepare before. And I can go straight into doing the list, but I wanted to uh, give it a beat in case you had other commentary or elements you wanted to add before I did that. Oh, well, thank you, Hun. Um, I think the only other thing that I would add to this is that I realize like there's elements when we talk about a pride of inclusion and such as the focus, but for me, there's certain elements that I think should never really be included in pride. One of those just being cops. No cops. Partially no. because of because of pride's foundation being just against literal cop raid. Yep. And because I think if I think if you're someone listening to this who is queer but not someone of color, you need to realize that your ability to just not think of your even your friend who is a cop as an agent of harm to your friends of color. If you have any friends of color, I am not going to make that assumption that you do or do not or that you even care. But if you do care, because for the this is more and me saying this is more for the folks who actually want to understand why I and many other queers of color have issue with cops is that they will fundamentally, as part of a larger institution, always be harmful. That is their design, to uphold terrible things regarding racism, sexism, and prisons. And that is not something that you can ignore casually just because you want to include certain people. Part of what it means if we're talking about pride as a place of potential comfort for people, before we even get into logistics, just getting into the sort of political aspects of it is that certain people by nature of their profession signal harm and that's unfortunate that that's the case but i think part of what it means to make a safe space is actually thinking about who is excluded intentionally because of the harm they represent i think inclusion is a helpful sort of theme to carry out for thinking about a lot of these things but i think it's also important to think about who is excluded for very political and valid reasons, and cops should be among those. Yeah, I don't think inclusion needs to mean inclusion of people actively working to uphold systems of bigoted violence, even if said people don't think of themselves as actively working to uphold systems of bigoted violence. Structurally, that is part of what is involved in being a cop. I also feel like I saw someone talking about this on Twitter and I appreciated it. The no cops at pride thing, I don't think that's even just a thing about, oh, pride, a, a particular special place with this history. That's true. Also, no cops anywhere. I, I, I'm i in favor of prison abolition and the dissolution of police forces. I don't think they're a redeemable institution. So my no cops at pride policy is not not veering away from anything that I'm already holding as a general position about cops. For, for both of us, I think Naomi would uh, second this um we are not specifically tailoring our cop hatred to be queer phobic no we have a general hatred of cops we are completely <laughs> full spectrum in our distaste and loathing for cops and the institution that come with that if you're a cop celebrate pride by being a traitor to your job that is what i would say if you would like to celebrate pride that is how i would ask you to celebrate pride quit or inf inform on your on your coworkers who've committed serious acts of violence and then get fired because that is a that that is a documented thing that has happened. There have been cops who have tried to actually be a quote unquote good cop that everyone brings up in these arguments, and uh, that's what happens to them. They get crushed. However, moving away from the anti-cop element of this particular uh, podcast episode, <laughs> <laughs> um, a nice interlude for all of you. 
if you are interested as someone heading to a pride that is more oriented towards, let's say, the more festival kind of approach to it, which is, I think, it's not terrible to have pride be just elements of like people out and proud and celebrating who they are. I think there's a there's a level of joy that people need in their lives and a reminder of the vibrancy of our communities, not even just our singular community, because I think there are multiple communities when we talk about queer folk, that having a more festival approach is not terrible. Like what I think Naomi and I both have a disdain for is the kind of corporatization of pride. And there's a lot of things that we could spend probably a whole other episode just talking about that in detail. But if you are someone who wants to go to enjoy the elements of revelry and joy that I think are positives overall of pride, despite a lot of the issues that they have that are not specific to pride, there's logistical things to bear in mind. I will start by just the most basic one being have water and then let Naomi do the thing where they provide several (laughs) resources. Oh my god, please have water. Water is so important and something that you can refill, but it's hard to know exactly where there will be chances to refill it, so start with water. That is important. Connected to that, a lot of similar things. Gum is great because you don't know, you know, if you're gonna want to smooch maybe, or also just make your mouth not feel gross if you're out and about in all kinds of ways. Gum, toothbrush, toothpaste, floss is kind of nice even if you're not planning on spending the night anywhere. It's a good buffer, but even if you don't have that, I think have some gum. Snacks. I carry protein bars. I've had people tell me they find it weird that I carry protein bars because I don't look like a protein bar kind of person. And to that, I say, I'm an anxious vegetarian and I have a fear of the unknown. So having something with 20 grams of protein in it in my bag is a deep sense of personal security for me. It means that I don't have to get as stressed out about budgeting to make sure that I am going to be able to find something that I can buy that won't have a giant line, but that will give me enough energy to get through a busy, weird day. Bring snacks, whatever feels good for you and works well for you and fits in the bag that you are carrying. Hand sanitizer. Oh my god, bathrooms are such a mess at these events and often there are not enough of them. Even more so connected to hand sanitizer, that's good. Also, literally, I have brought soap in like mini bottles, the kind that you can get for traveling on airplanes, or in little single-use packets. And there was one time, I think it was the same pride, where my friend Mal and I had to keep moving around so Mal wasn't getting their asthma activated by cigarette smoke at outdoor events. We also managed to find porta-potties, but there were no sinks available related to them. So we used the soap I brought and my spare water bottle, and we took turns soaping up our hands, and we stood over a drainage grate on the side of the street, and one of us would pour water in a slow stream to mimic a faucet while the other person washed their hands over a drainage grate. But we had actual soap and water, so we were able to feel not totally gross after using extremely gross public bathrooms during Pride. Again, connected to this ongoing theme of just make sure your body's okay. Sunscreen, whatever kind works for you or that you like to use, or if you really hate the feeling of sunscreen, give yourself some layers of protective clothing, potentially a big hat. I like sort of big floppy hats and a scarf as outer layers because they scrunch down easily into bags, but adapt that to your personal fashion sense, whatever works best for you. Bring your phone charger cord, and if you've got a backup battery pack, even better, charge that and bring that too. It really sucks to have your phone die when you're out and about, and it's hard to even get into venues where stuff is sold to find a charger cord because the cafes are all mobbed by people who didn't pack snacks and who really need a bathroom. You also might end up saving someone else's butt if you have a phone charger cord and a backup battery pack. There are lots of folks with their phones dying outdoors at long scale and all day events. Wallet, money ID, that kind of thing, that's important in the general life way. I also recommend, I try to have just a few bucks on me in cash for 
a sort of set aside budget for money to use to pay to use a bathroom if you are stuck in those kinds of frustrating situations where there are no public bathrooms available. It makes me deeply, deeply angry that we live in a world where that's the thing, where sometimes you can be out in the world and there is no safe or easy place to pee. And I feel that as a trans person, I feel that as a low-income person, um, I feel that as a person who loves and cares for many people who have been homeless or in unstable housing situations. I hate that that exists, but as a management strategy, you know, have a couple dollars that you can drop on a, some gum or some tea or a snack at a cafe or wherever it is so that you can make sure that you have a way to use the bathroom if you really need to, because that stuff matters. And then there's all kinds of other things you can pack to based on what's going to be fun for you. A good way of keeping a calendar, whatever that means for you, whether that's something on your phone or notes, because often large-scale events have different elements within them, and you might want to go to some but not all, or you want to have notes of where do things start and end, where do we form up for the march, where's the after-party, have a good way to record that. Maybe that's digital, maybe that's paper. Sometimes it's nice to have extra paper, because if you didn't pack some of the other things and your phone has died, it would be cool if you could still find the after party. So those are my key things, and they're pretty basic, and a lot of them are toiletries. But when you're outdoors at big, messy, hot, exciting, vibrant, intense events like that, I can't tell you how glad I was to have a travel bottle of soap. I, I don't think I'm ever going to forget that. The rest of that day would have sucked so much if we hadn't had soap, but we did. And so we were able to refresh and rejoin the fun parts of the event and not feel just stuck in a crowd of people and germs. And I think at this point, I will also add in more of the like personal elements in terms of something to remember for going to these events. If you are someone who is, let's say, more the cruising kind of type or you are the like smooch-tacular kind of person or a flirtatious kind of person. I love smooch-tacular. That's so good. And yeah, I'm also, you, you should take it away. I'm realizing things I left off. Uh, I'll let you, I'll let you say them in a second. Huh? Don't worry. Don't worry. But, um, cause obviously there's with that, there's just logistics, like safer sex supplies. If you are going to be involved with someone else and just a lot of the things that I would suggest as someone who is very flirtatious textually but in person sometimes feels a little pressured to do things even when I'm like not sure if I want to go for certain things with people I will at this point in time remind you that it's perfectly okay if you go out maybe even to an after party and you start getting interested in some like casual flirtations with people and then you decide actually no I'm actually not super interested in doing more and I say that not to in any way shame or judge the folks who let's say, do you go out for cruising or do you like have sex in relatively public areas or what have you? Those are other separate conversations that should happen, not on this particular episode. But in terms of for any folks, especially if you are younger folks listening who are interested in going to maybe their first pride or what have you, and you think that like, hey, I want to like be out and about and like prideful and do all the things that show like I'm super queer or what have you, it's okay. Okay, if that also means like um, you're not ready for certain things just because it's like hey smooching this person is super cute and awesome is great hey actually I don't want to have sex with you you're not less queer for not wanting to get super involved with certain things the spectrum of who is of what it means to express queerness in the world to exist and, and embody that vibrantly and fully there's a spectrum between the party gay <laughs> and the folks who are like yeah I'm at home I read books I listen to music, I have my girlfriend, we smooch, we have fun stuff on our own, but we're not super into pride. There's a lot in terms of 
what you might feel compelled to do as someone who was very eager in, in other dimensions of my life to just get to join in and all the things and feel like, hey, I'm doing everything and I'm doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to do to embody this, right? And it's like, yeah, that's one way you can go about expressing it. But that's not the only way that you have to go about expressing what it means to be prideful of who you are. If pride is even a sort of theme you want to embody in your personal life or in the your maneuverings through that kind of social space. Sometimes it just means like you are happy to be out there being yourself with friends. Absolutely. Also, you can party gay it up and you still don't have to sleep with people. You can go dance and then you can go home. You're allowed to do that too. You get to decide what the shape of these events is going to look like for you. You can, and that can look like anything. It can mean I'm going to go to about half of this march and then I'm going to duck out of it when it passes the cafe I like because I know my ankles are not going to hold up for this whole event. Or I just really want to hang out at the cafe I like after getting a little bit of that collaborative energy. It can mean that you plan for the whole day and you caffeinate the hell out of yourself and you just want to have a really huge, big, bright, colorful, energetic experience. It can mean you don't go at all. It can mean you hang out on your balcony and you wave to the parade as it goes by. There are so many ways that you can do it. I also personally, for festivals and large-scale events, both when they're LGBTQ-focused and in general, I really love volunteering at things, and often I will go to an event if I can volunteer at it, and if I don't have a good way to volunteer that I'm excited about, I might just decide not to go. I have volunteered at trans events for Pride, I have played music in Pride marches and festival events back in my home county, and I really only attended those things when I was also a performer, but I've pretty much always been a performer when I've been in my home county during Pride season. I also, one year, I marched with Planned Parenthood and I handed out condoms to the crowd. And so I really like those kinds of things where I feel like I have a role at the event and I'm not just there to sort of soak in the experience, I'm there to help craft the experience in a way that's going to be good and supportive for others. And again, that's not the only way to do Pride, but that's also a way to do Pride. Your Pride could be sitting at an info booth wearing a free t-shirt that you got handed 20 minutes ago and directing people on how to find bathrooms. That's a really, really important thing. And you can do that, and that can be part of how the event goes for you, too. You can also do things that are not big-scale, dramatic things. There are Pride events often throughout the month of Pride. There will be smaller things at, you know, local cafes, sometimes museums, sometimes music shows. There will also be lots of things online. I'm going to try and figure out, I'm still working on, Finding a good game idea to submit to the Game Jam, spelled G-A-Y-M-E, jam for this month, which is a Pride-themed tabletop game design jam. I don't have to go anywhere to do that. That's all from my laptop. That's Pride, too. That still counts. There's space for folks who want to be more public. And I think this is where we get into like larger conversations about what it means for what's appropriate for what Pride will represent in the future. And I think for both of us, I think... We're the kind of people who, like, we have friends who are the, like, party gays or, like, the disaster queers. I have one friend who is, I think that is her literal description for her, like, queer self is a disaster queer. Yeah, we're not saying that to be mean. We're saying that to reference people's self-description. No, we're saying that's a literal self-definition. But there are also the friends who are like, yeah, came out a couple of years ago because I got a girlfriend. was really happy. It's nice. And I just, they, they're, they're the equivalent of for any Avatar friends as the, like, hey, to go here level of energy about being queer. <laughs> but there's space within the larger communities to have folks just be there for 
for expressions of pride of happiness for expressions of pride that are not like loud loud and about but are just kind of like i'm happy and i'm here and there's space for folks who are mourning and also feel wrath and anger about what the space represents and also what they want to see for the future because for a lot of us being holding on to pride is holding on to aspects of ourselves that we've had to have a lot of pain with and we want to find joy that has been won oftentimes after a lot of suffering and difficulty and a lot of seeing that even the friends we want to be with in the space are not as accepted as we would like in a space that we'd hope would be inclusive of them. Well put. I'm also thinking about things to do in Pride Month that are not the obvious things and I feel like so many of them are things that you can really do at any point in the year. It's more that Having a thematic month sometimes creates a catalyst for folks to think about what they want to do and what they want to express. And I've seen some folks do some really nice posts about ways that you can be involved in Pride Month that are less corporate and less sort of gentrified, literally and metaphorically, in terms of how they're built. So in terms of some things that are, I'm just thinking of very off the cuff that you can do for Pride Month if you want to, you can find someone's fundraiser or surgery and donate to it. You can support a trans person in getting getting life-affirming treatment or anything, you know, someone who is trying to work on getting stabler housing or some kind of support or safety. You can donate to LGBTQ folks' fundraisers. You can find an artist and commission something from them or buy some work for them so that you're supporting the art and the creativity and the expression of our communities. You can send cool and friendly messages to your friends. They don't even have to be like, happy pride. It can just be like, Hey, thinking of you, I hope you're having a good month. How are you? Would love to talk more and nurture the connections that you have with other LGBTQ folk in your life. You don't have to go to the gigantic event in order to do that. You can figure out how you want to community build in your own way. Make someone some food and share it with them. Do something that makes you happy. Share something that you enjoy doing and let that be part of how you are expressing your pride. Because a lot of pride as we've talked about, and as many other people have talked about even more eloquently than us, this is a history that is connected to riots, that is connected to the sort of the fury of trying to survive in a hostile space. And so if you are surviving in this world, you are following a huge piece of the spirit of pride. And that's really powerful and good too. And that can involve bricks, but it can also involve making some muffins and like getting through another fucking day. Because sometimes that's where we're all at. And sometimes that's hard too. And know and be affirmed in the fact that for bigots, the fact that you are alive and capable of experiencing joy is already infuriating to them. And means, by a certain extent, that the joyousness of your life is in the spirit of pride. If that's how you want to contextualize it for yourself, it gets to be a part of that too. It doesn't have to be a broad or a blunt or a public statement for that to be true. You're here. You're queer. You incite existential fear. <laughs> oh, jeez, that was really good. <laughs> you said it so chipperly. Oh. I mean, it was it was originally going to be in a sadder angle of we're here, we're queer, we're filled with existential fear. But I feel like this fits the spirit of a more hopeful take on pride, which is if you'd like a more a snarky way of thinking about it. Continue to live as queerly as you need to be in whatever public or private way you need that to be. And just enjoy that by simply existing, you almost out of sheer spite make someone else's day terrible because they're a bigoted <laughs> person. If living despite bigots helps you, live despite bigots. I'm very in favor of that. 
spite is a very good motivating factor when you need it. It's a good tool to have in one's toolkit. I'm now thinking about my internal list of things that I'm planning to do during Pride Month, and I'm really enjoying the range of it because I want to go to Transmarch because I like Transmarch. I'm also going to do some totally online stuff like game jam things. This is also going to be the month where I start seeing a therapist at an LGBTQ-specific therapy site. So that's kind of cool, too. I didn't plan that to fall during Pride Month. That's just when my previous therapist's year of doctoral work ends, and so I need to swap. But I kind of like that now that I'm thinking about it. That's going to be part of my Pride process, too. That's a survival gesture. The end of my Pride Month is going to be I get to move in with my partner. So Gay. That's a, exactly. Gay. <laughs> Very gay. Oh yeah, I welcomed in Pride Month by uh, going along with my also extremely not straight roommate to pick up a free bed from someone I kind of know through my old work so that you will have a bed when you move in with me. Gay. Gay. Yes. This Pride Month, if you are not, uh, if you are straight, I almost said if you're not straight, if you are straight, uh, donate some furniture to queer people. That can be your pride gesture too. Yeah, what are some good ally accomplice gestures? Buy us pizza, fund our surgery, and general survival fundraisers. Fund creatives. Give us your spare furniture. If you're a cop, quit your job. <laughs> if you're a cop, quit your job. This is first and foremost. <laughs> um, I'd say on the on the more creative side of things, like read from LGBTQ writers across the spectrum. Read from yeah. folks who are AIDS. Read from folks who are disabled and queer, and also like from communities of color. Read from writers or look into where people look into the history that people think like when we say stuff like queer history or lesbian and gay history, it's just like a very localized thing. And it's like folks don't realize there's more evidence that folks that people like Emily Dickinson was likely bi or lesbian. Mm-hmm. There's things like that. That was a Walt Whitman was very very gay. <laughs> Like he was a racist, but also very, very gay. There's elements where, like, what it means to support us means also validating the whole of queer existence, which has histories, which has creatives, which has folks who are struggling in this moment and who could use help. It means looking into the politics if you feel like you can do that. It means acknowledging the kinds of people in the community who need more attention and maybe the folks who have some attention and could do your best to shift it over. There is never really a bad point I've found in most of paying attention to organizing circles where listening to black trans women is a bad you're kind of always going to be led in a good direction by listening to black trans folk and also like sex workers as well because there's elements of pride that would like to think that if you are not a two-person household with 2.5 kids that is a direct mirror image of heteronormative sort of structures then you aren't really properly pride into that i say you can go to hell yeah, we're we're not here to get all normative. That is not the goal. That is a way of trying to subsume everything but the smallest fraction of what is considered outside of the norm with the thought that that will somehow charm bigots into letting you survive out of the sheer adorableness of your stringent respectability. And yeah, fuck that. I feel like I'm a little bit more tired and loopy than I usually am during our episodes, and it's making me really blunt. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. I feel like... That's a decent energy for an episode about pride because, again, you know, the U.S. is not the only place that celebrates pride, but we are mainly familiar with the U.S. cultural context and history of it in terms of what we have gotten to attend. And a lot of what that comes back to is people being so fucking sick of having to put up with normative and regulatory shit, of being pushed out of so many places that 
there weren't many places to socialize or to exist that you were trying to find and organize bars and club spaces that could give you anything that could be some kind of social haven. And then those got raided all the time. And that may not be true in the exact same way now, but those factors and those elements have not disappeared. Even if we don't have constant and habitual cop raids on like queer bars, that doesn't mean things are fine. <laughs> that just means that things get recontextualized and that stress factors look different, but we still exist in a place where now there's all kinds of charming new ways we can get internet harassed, and there are still many, many ways that it is even legally considered okay to be violent to queer and trans people, or where even if it's technically illegal, it's very, very hard for that to get addressed in a way that actually keeps people safe. Yeah, there's just a lot. I don't want to go to too bitter a place. I want to talk about the celebratory things too, and I think we have on a lot of fronts, but a lot of what I'm trying to say is that you're allowed to be angry, and you're also allowed to be who you are. And you are allowed to be complete, including your desires that don't fit norms. I feel like you, if you're worried about figuring out if what you're desiring is okay, or if you are the right or okay kind of queer or trans person, that the core philosophy is, are you trying, are you trying to be kind to other people and create a kind world? And that doesn't mean being good to bigots, because it's not kind or safe to other people, to be polite to people who are trying to do awful violence to you. But at your core, do you want a space where queer youth get to grow up safe and happy, where all youth get to grow up safe and happy, but especially those who are experiencing scary and dangerous situations? Do you want us to get to grow up and form communities and families in ways that work for all of us and make us happy and where we get to connect with each other? honestly and openly and joyously based on our needs and desires and people are not being forced into things that are going to be painful and dangerous for them i'm going to a lot of places <laughs> Heal me yeah, in, babe. Yeah, I, yeah no worries hon. i i am happy to do the thing that i always do there are terrible things that still exist for a lot of us we're living through this in the u.s context and also largely in the world of what it means to be queer as in just speaking from a u.s context trans panic Murder defense is still valid, I believe, in the states. Like, there's only like in one. Many, many, many. There's only yeah. like one state that has effectively like outlawed that entirely. If you don't know what that is, take some time, look up trans panic defense, and uh, be horrified that uh, we live even more so in a totalitarian state uh, in the U.S. Despite folks not wanting to acknowledge that. But regardless of the harms and difficulties that we live with, pride is an occasion, at the very least, to take a moment and reflect on what we want to see happen with these with our communities and to reflect on the fact that despite all of these terrible things that we still live through, despite the context and history being different from some of the starting points, we are still here, we are still proud, and we are displaying the pride that we have in our own lives and our identities through various different ways. And really some of the best things that you can do if you're someone trying to support is allow that multiplicity of ways of being in the world to thrive and understand that like really any other identity sort of categories we have a multiplicity of ways of being and differences of opinion when it comes to what it means to be prideful in it or be allied or against pride some folks who are against pride who are also queer themselves do so because they don't like the politics associated with it now some folks feel it is worth redeeming and still trying to orient it towards better things and some folks just don't vibe with it because it's just not really their sort of social space. All of those are valid. And to those who are younger, older, or just not 
I'll put it to you this way. To those who are baby queers, and I realize that this is a term that can sometimes be sound condescending or a, a little bit infantilizing. Folks, you're newly figuring out your experience of your gender and or sexuality, so chronologically, no matter what you are, you're feeling new and tender. I will put it to you this way. As someone who came up trans later, after coming out by around 14 and having been so for now, Jesus Christ, so that was 14, yeah, that was in 2007, so I've been out in about, for 12 years around that, I don't think I've ever met a single person who was queer and who didn't have moments where they were like, am I enough of this? Like, I have never met a person who is like that. And even the folks who are 100%, they always knew at least one person who was like, am I enough of this? And those people who wondered turned out to actually be straight. Like, it's very rare that someone who is having to ask themselves those questions is not queer in some capacity. So if you feel like you're wondering, you probably are. And it's you don't really need any confirmation other than you feel that way you don't have to have slept with someone because that assumes sex is the end-all be-all to understanding your identity you don't have to have had physical interactions if you just feel certain ways and it works it works i will say this as a personal take i not to speak for naomi but my own personal take but when folks try and talk about phases when it comes to being queer or being bi or they are especially in the biphobic range of like your bisexual graduation because those are terms that exist and thrown against community members for me i don't actually take issue with it because i feel like it it falls back on the same to put on my philosophy hat for a moment a free rider problem that a lot of people talk about when we talk about larger terms or community issues or resources that people are like well aren't some people just going to freeload on the terms if we stick on them and we don't like police what explicitly means this or like if we don't make sure like we can confirm people and i'm like maybe who cares because if i'm being honest i thought i was cis for a long time being cis by all accounts i could think of as a phase it didn't mean that <laughs> that sorry don't want to interrupt with your laughter I just, i've never heard someone refer to it that way <laughs> it, it didn't mean that it was any less real for me and I did the moments where I thought I was straight. And if it turns out that in a few years, I just really only love women, that, and I'm just gay in that classical sense of being gay, which is, it's very fun to actually get to say a phrasing like a classical sense of being gay. It's very delightful. But that's okay. Having periods of time where you're like uncertain or questioning, that's fine. At least from my standpoint, it's okay. You don't suddenly become more bi just because you've lived with that identity for three decades. You are just as bi as someone else who's just coming into it last week because sexuality, gender, affection towards people, attraction is weird. People are really weird. And sometimes your own feelings you think you have 100% understanding of aren't that way at all. And that's okay. You don't need to prove to anyone else that you are as queer as you claim to be. You don't. It's perfectly okay if you just know. If for you a certain term works, if pan works for a couple of years and then you think bi is better, or if you think lesbian for a couple of years and then you think bi is better, or if you think like I am a lesbian but I'm with a man because I love him, you, if you still think lesbian works for you, I'm not going to disagree with you because people are weird <laughs> and attraction is very messy and weird. And so is language. We're all language doing the best we weird. can with limited structural tools and there's no universal measurement tool for figuring out exactly what words mean or how they should be applied. There's also no way to police the boundaries of our communities such that 
they won't ever have assholes or just annoying people in them. That's frustrating, but also that's part of what it means to be a human being in relation to others. If there are people who it just sort of irks you a little bit, the way they express a sexuality or gender identity that you supposedly share with them, pay attention to what irks you, because sometimes that's people being shitty or cruel. Sometimes that's just someone who has a different approach to self-expression than you do, and you're allowed to let them have that. This is, if there's a positive note that I could sort of end on, that I think both of us could end on, is that Pride celebrates a lot of things. It celebrates how far we've come, how far our community is still struggling with things, and how much that maybe we're still letting down a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of us who live in this world and move through spaces trying to understand this queer existence that is our lives, we're seeking revelry and joy just like everyone else is. We just have our distinct ways of going about it. And we hope that at least in us covering this sort of topic on this episode that we've given proper time to acknowledging that whatever that way you find joy and affirmation and who you want to be, that you are just as queer, just as valid anywhere you are along your journey into understanding what it is to live a queer life, to have a queer existence. Absolutely. Yeah, pride can be a great time for revelry. It can be a time for community building and connection. It can be a time for protest. It can be a time for education. It can be a time for self-reflection. All of those things get to be part of that, and our hope for you is that you get to figure out what you want this month to mean for you. If you are an LGBTQ person, the ways that you want to express and support yourself, and I'm using an acronym that I feel like is long-ish, but is not meant to be comprehensive. I know there are, there are other ways to format that and to add letters to that too. And if you, if you are an ally, or I prefer and encourage people to reach towards being accomplices, dig in a little deeper. What do you want to learn this month? How do you want to show up for people? How many pizzas are you going to buy for trans women of color on Twitter? That is a very fantastic note phrasing just to end on how many pizzas are you <laughs> buying a trans woman? I say this as someone who I've is seen literally people make threads where they people post yeah, their exactly. PayPal's if they need pizza. <laughs> yeah, I have I literally actually got twenty dollars earlier last week from a trans woman who's like, Hey, someone comment a weird fact if I pick you, I'll give you twenty bucks to get pizza. I commented and nice. I got 20 bucks. What kind of pizza did you get? Oh, I didn't get pizza. I got, well, actually I did end up getting a pizza, but I got a burrito too because the pizza was cheap. Nice. Burrito. Because I am, despite not being desperately poor anymore and in a pretty good place, ever the still poor, anxious person in my thinking in terms of food. Habits and reflexes stick, yeah. But yes, burritos are also acceptable. Pizza is just slightly more of a social cultural meme among trans folks that I have seen on the internet. Buy us pizza or a takeout option of our choice, please. That is one of my favorite ways I would encourage accomplices to support us during Pride Month. There are other ways, but pizza is a very good one. Also, just on the promo side of things, I am working currently on writing a short audio fiction piece that is extremely queer and is also about folklore that is going to go up on a podcast called let the old wives tell it which is a folklore analysis and rewriting podcast that is doing mini episodes every week during pride month so i don't know the release date for my episode yet i am still editing it it's due in a couple of days but by the time this episode comes out ha comes out i might know the release date if i do i will put it in the comments of this episode if not i will still make sure to promo it on all of our associated social media when that happens so that's the other thing I'm doing for Pride Month. 
I am just continuing to build my streaming related shenanigans as I currently have one game that I stream for and on Welcome to the Party's Twitch on Saturdays for an all POC group and I run two other campaigns and I may be trying to extend to other things if I can manage it because I want to. Yeah, and if you ever want to see some little summary notes of what kind of other cool projects that we are doing, feel free to follow us on our social media. We're both relatively active on Twitter, and there's also a website now for Queerly Yours, and the About page has bios of both of us that link to the major places where we are active on the internet. Our Patreons, our Twitters, and in the case of Angela, the spot where she streams, and the publications that she has written for the most. Yeah, and... I hope we have been clear in this episode that we love and adore all folks of all queer and trans and just everywhere among the along the rainbow and across the spectrum. We love all of you. And we hope that we have affirmed that whether or not you choose to join Pride, you take care of yourself. You watch your own boundaries. You watch your health. And never feel like you have to perform a certain level of self-expression just to be like queer or trans enough or just involved in the community. And I emphatically state that to all the folks who are also ace as well. I know that we do not do enough to talk about y'all when we do these kinds of discussions, not just us specifically, but just the community overall. You are valid. You are welcome. And we hope that for anyone else who is also on the fence or questioning that you know that that's okay to not know. You don't have to be 100% certain. You have two gay parents here, effectively, who will adamantly affirm your existence and place in the community. Or at the very least, gay friends. The phrase gay parents activated something internal in me that's not bad, but is also mildly terrifying as a 26-year-old. I know there are parents already, Sorry, but oh god. <laughs> no, I, I know. I was just, I was going to say gay moms. I'm like, gay moms does not, because we're the basically the mom friends of our group. But I'm like, okay gay, with not being mom. gay moms somehow, it also sounds intense. I don't know if that feels the same or different as gay parents. I might cut these rambles, but... <laughs> gay mom friend? In any case, we both support y'all. Whatever you choose, and however you choose to be prideful, even if that's just, oh yeah, it's pride. Still gay. Yay. <laughs> Hold on, let me check. Still gay. We we have had... <laughs> also, to loop, to loop back before we wrap up, you mentioned being classically gay earlier, and my brain went, as opposed to renaissance gay or postmodern gay. So. Oh god. I, the only other joke I'll add so that we don't overcrowd this episode with too many long rambles is <laughs> as a fun image for our, our listeners to uh, end off with, which is it has been for me having come out like 12 years ago with at least by that means it's at the very least, what is that, 730, yeah, 4,380 days since incident of not gay has been present for me. Like for anyone who's ever seen the cartoon things where it's been this amount of days since an accident. I like that you're framing heterosexuality as a dangerous incident to be avoided at all costs. You straight. I feel like we've gotten to be a little goofy this episode, but also pretty thoughtful. And we want you all to have a good Pride Month, whatever that means for you. And part of what it means to have a good Pride Month is to remember that you get to figure out what that means for you. And no one else gets to tell you how you must or must not enact pride. We love you all, and we hope you've enjoyed listening in on two very silly queers trying to just affirm you in the way that we do as mom friends. <laughs> yeah. We like being your mom friends on the on the internet and in your earbuds. 
And I'll try to look up a few base resources if you want to try to figure out some things like potentially how to find Pride events and also how to learn more about uh, LGBTQ history. I'll see if I can find some nice stuff to give people jumping off points for that. We love y'all and happy Pride season, everyone. We'll be here being really gay all year. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I'm Naomi. I'm Angela. And as always, we are Queerly Yours. Queerly Yours is edited and produced by Naomi Bosch, with intro and outro music by Angela Lemos Mogrovejo. Mm-hmm.